Welcome to Sober Nation FM, a podcast network dedicated to sharing experience, strength, and hope so that you may continue to live your best life of recovery. The Sober Podcast Network is brought to you by Sober Nation. Do you want to live a healthy, sober life? Sober Nation is the world's leading online recovery community. Find support, resources, stories of hope, and even an online treatment program at SoberNation.com. Live a happy life. Be comfortable in your skin and join the recovery movement. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. Now enjoy today's episode. Hello. Don't you ever. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Don't you ever criticize me about my John Mayer song again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does have a good message, though. <laughs> that was like... <laughs> but the whole thing is like, you know, it blows away. It's impermanent. Yeah, like, I know. It's going to screw you up. <laughs> Actually, was... if you listen to the whole song, it's really cool. I mean, and it came out during the crack epidemic of the 80s. Yeah, I bet. It was... So it's uh, yeah, it was... an anti-drug <laughs> message. But that man, one... that song gets me going every time. That, you had to be here. Happy. You had to be here. With oh, this, yeah. There was uh, gestures and all gestures. We had a poll... <laughs> <laughs> we have been beating that other yeah, show. Yeah, I was dancing, but not really. So this is Sober Life Radio. Yep. So <laughs> and I'm Joel Yeager. We didn't trigger anyone this beautiful morning. Beautiful Carrie Leffler. Oh, I don't, well, thank I you. I don't think we did. No. But that was, uh, yeah, I love the bass. Yeah. And that stuff. You have to dance. You can say anything. You can When you put bass in a song and little jam, like you can say, oh, I, I want to hate everybody. Bass. Right. I have one. Used to play it. Don't play it so much anymore. Oh, I have a bass, too. It's jam. We could. I know. I <laughs> dust. Terrible. I dust mine off. That's all I do. I hate to say <laughs> it, but <laughs> no, I do. I have a real bass. I have a left-handed Hofner. Oh. Yeah, like a real, yeah. like a real expensive guitar that I I dust it. See, it kind of makes me feel better. I just uh, was doing some remodeling in my house, and I had to move some stuff around. Like what you I'm move around? Everything. I had oh, the wow. carpets all replaced in my house, so I had to. Everything had to come out of the rooms and then get put back in. But in that process, I was moving. You know everything I own basically, and <laughs> yeah, I've got a guitar, I've got a bass, I've got like a mixer and a sample. Oh yeah, and all I've stuff. been there. Yeah, you got and a whole studio. Use. It looks like a studio, like yeah, a music studio. Yeah, and I'm studio. like, what? Why don't what we? Am I doing? We should start a band. We could start the Sober Life Band. We'll call it something else because that sounds like <laughs> we'll have to it's get a Sober Life Band. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we do heavy metal polka music. Like two people at our shows. Yeah. Well, no. we have, no, we have a we have a fan base. People will come just to torment us. <laughs> I think that's good. Speaking of, kind of, I watched <clears throat> the trailer for that movie. You know, it's so in. funny. <laughs> what I gotta ask you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking shitty iced tea. This you want to hear a terrible story about this whole thing? So. <laughs> Um, cause we shot it and we shot, I'm, first of all, I've been in a couple of movies. This is the first time I ever been, actually made it into a trailer, which I think that's pretty funny. But, um, yeah. So that morning we're shooting, I'm trying to think what, oh, we're at McGinnity's pub where okay. they shot the scene. And so they, they put us like, if you ever been in a movie before, they stage you around into the set and I'm a background specialist. So I'm just the guy in the back, like the background. Once right. in a while I get a line, but not rarely. Why? Right. Not? So they first of all they sat at the tables and they <laughs> shot this one. They shot that scene you saw on the directors, who's a great director, Bradley Hawkins, said, "No, they got to be doing something. They got to be moving. They can't just be talking." They're at a bar. These are a biker bar. Yeah. And got this all these tattooed guys up. So then, so he goes, "Well, we got to do something." So they they washed out <laughs> some dirty beer bottles, like the guy did. The you know and they said this like this this stuck in water and cleaned yeah. it out a little bit. And then he said, well, you got to put something in it. 
So he made some shitty ice. They were going to put cold coffee from the morning. No, I guess just swore. Oh, really? I didn't realize. Sorry. So they they um yeah, you had to be there. Yeah, in the moment. So so he fills it up with he makes iced tea. I think that's what it was, but it was out of probably soapy dish water. And and they filled it up in a bottle so it looked like something was in the bottle. Yeah. Because these were all clear, whatever it's called, yeah. bottles or whatever. So then they shoot the scene again. Director goes, no, no, no. You got to be moving. We have to be doing it. You got to at least protect like you're drinking it. Now, yeah. this is the this was terrible to crappy. I can say crappy, yeah, right? Yeah, I can say crappy. To crappy, iced, warm, soapy, iced tea. And I had to pretend like I was liking it and talking <laughs> to people. So that's what I was drinking. That morning, <laughs> I didn't even think about it because I I shared the trailer on the sober Lake. Yeah, then radio, uh, and Domingos yeah, said, "Wait, what, what? What were you drinking?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, I didn't even think about that." Yeah, no. So for anybody that may have seen the trailer, <laughs> uh, we clarified Joel was not drinking a beer. No, it was, he was drinking soapy, poopy, poopy uh, <laughs> iced tea. <laughs> Um, and I had to make, and if you look at it, because it's that like, word, by the way. right, because so I remember like I had to make, I was very careful not to let it go in my mouth, but he, you know, he wants like, like, no, drink it. <laughs> like he wants to, you know, he <laughs> wants to get the best out of a scene. Well, you look, you looks pretty cool. Yeah. I'm actually in two parts in the trailer twice. Um, the guy turning the magazine to him. Oh, in the suit. I thought I saw your hand at one point. Yeah. So that was the first time I made the trailer twice. That's good. That movie's coming out in March. They're going to do a premiere here in Rochester. Oh, for, well, let's go. I'll we be there. Yeah, it's a pretty, very exciting, pretty funny movie. Yeah. So very cool. We'll go. Okay. Um, speaking of local events, there's an event coming up tomorrow really? that I'm going to be at uh, Rocco Stagnito. Some of you local folks may have heard of him, or even if you're not local, you may have seen some of the videos that he's been featured in. He's been on the news multiple times lately. Mm-hmm. But uh, his son passed away fairly recently behind a house uh in a in a known drug area here in rochester right well anyways he organized a city cleanup effort so there's going to be a bunch of people behind this house cleaning up needles and whatever but yeah he's he's partnered with trillium and the city of rochester and whatnot so that's going on tomorrow that's great yeah freaks me out just a little bit though um you know, I know they got some stuff from Trillium. They got Sharps containers and whatnot. But people, here's get, a public service announcement. You people, be careful. <laughs> you have to be very careful. You have to pay attention to what you're wearing on your feet. Don't just use rubber gloves. You need to have something that's impenetrable. Right. I actually had a needle stick incident a couple of years ago at work. Um, there was a bunch oh. of needles outside. And I went to go pick them up. I, I brought a sharps container. That. Yeah, I brought a sharps container with me. I had rubber gloves, but yeah. I wasn't really paying attention to my footwear. And very long story short, um, I ended up getting the tip of a needle yeah. in my foot. Um, yeah, yeah. Scared the crap out of me. Went through the whole thing. Went to the hospital where I was treated very poorly, actually, if you remember me telling yep. you the story. Sure. They looked at me with my tattoos and somebody at the hospital actually said to me, I kid you not. Well, you don't look like you're afraid of needles. Yeah, I know. I hate and when they I say that. And here I am bugging out because I'm thinking, I just stepped on a dirty, nasty, hypodermic needle, and you're cracking jokes? Like, that, no, that I hate. <laughs> this is why I... Yeah. yeah I know. And you think right now because the medical community is all tattooed yeah. up. But 
But I ended up actually going to Trillium because I got no help at the hospital that I went to. They understand a little better. Yeah, I contacted a friend of mine and I was like in near tears at this point thinking, oh my gosh, how ironic would this be? You know, I go my whole life without, con- you know, contracting something and then I step on a needle trying to clean it up and I get something. Um, but she connected me to Trillium and, and they were great. They did the mm-hmm. rapid testing. Um, and like I said, luckily nothing came of it. He said that they'd been in the streets. So any like UV exposure right. would have killed any HIV viruses. Yeah. I used to get, uh, when I was tattooing, I would get needles stuck all the time. Really? Yeah, because when you, what you do, tattooers are known for this. If you notice, ever notice, uh, if you ever, person has been tattooed, like in the business for a long time, the end of their tips of their fingers have uh, t- like little dots because we get when we're cleaning off the tube, really? you have to run the t- the needle into a paper towel or tissue. It doesn't matter if you're a glove on or not. Sometimes it just gets through, huh. and you get stuck. Interesting. Yeah, it's always been a. That's why you know Hep C and stuff has always been rampant in the tattoo business for the people that work there not necessarily the customers but <laughs> but i always you know then you clean it out and there's all kinds of process you have to do after to make sure it's not yeah but yeah but yeah it's pretty nasty that stuff yeah i can't i'm looking at your shirt you got carrie's got a pussy in her pocket and i don't even know <laughs> right that is great <laughs> i'm not going to say what it's doing <laughs> well i have a shirt um <laughs> it's a black shirt and it looks like there's a white cat sticking right. out of my pocket <laughs> And then you pull the pocket down, and he's flipping you off. Wow. That's how I feel about most things. Where, you didn't get that at Penny's. I'm all nice and uh, Did you get that polite at Pen- on the Where'd outside. No, I got it at Zoomies, actually. Oh, probably. Lord Nermal is his name. Yeah, so Pen- that's how I feel. I put on a, a good a good facade, but really I want to say F you to everybody. Yeah. Not everybody. Not everybody. A lot of people. Some people. So Some this people I can do, like... I can look at Joel and be like, Yeah, no, because hey. she does that a lot to me. She's no, I love Joel. Yeah, I love you, too. So, what, you know, it's so funny... Um. Well, Pennies is actually a lot more going out of business. I don't know if you heard about that. I did. I saw that in the news today. Yeah, they're closing a lot of stores, which is, I don't know. I shop at Pennies because sometimes they have my size. I was actually <laughs> banned for life from J.C. Pennies. I believe. I still? Well, no, Well, it was a life ban, but I was 20, <laughs> 21 when it happened. Right. I was uh, stealing from there. Yeah. I was actually taken down by a security guard in the middle of Pennies in front of a child, and I'll never forget this. <laughs> I started to take off because I knew that he was, I heard like the of the microphone. Right. So I started to, you know, get some pep in my step and take off. And he <laughs> tackled me. A wow. JCPenney security guard tackled me in JCPenney's, and there was a, I don't know, kid was probably four, five years old. Right. And I was just mortified. And all it was like slow motion, like tunnel vision. All I could <laughs> see was this child so I'm being taken to the ground <laughs> by the security guard. But yeah, I was. Uh, did he? Did I the was, kid say anything to you? No, or? the look on his face—he was just like mortified. Like, what wow. is happening? Who's this crazy person that's being tackled? Why is someone tackling her? Um, uh, but yeah, I was actually given a life ban, which right. I'm—I was. I mean, really, how are you going to enforce that? I was like 20 years old at the time. Yeah. I looked a lot different than I do now, and yeah. You know. But for they're... years, even to this day, actually, I still get a little bit of anxiety when I walk in. Walk pennies. into pennies, like. <laughs> The guy's probably a lot older now. I don't think you could probably catch him. I don't maybe. even think that they would. It's like a unenforceable policy. How do you yeah. enforce that? Yeah, at one time I actually watched people shoplifting, and I think they got caught later. But I was just you know, yeah. really poor. They like not even good at it. So, <laughs> but maybe that's the ones that do get away with it. Like they're think... just picking stuff up and putting it in their bag. I mean, that was well, and that's how it works too. And I, my dad, I don't know why. When I was young, my. Dad... <laughs> he didn't like tr- teach me this, but he, he said something one time about, 
you know, people that get away with stuff like that are the people that are the most obvious because you just act like you're supposed to be there, like you're supposed to be doing something. Right. You can walk into a store and grab something and walk out with it, but you have confidence because right. people <laughs> aren't going to think, oh, this person's stealing something. Right. You have to walk. It's when you walk out and you're looking around and yeah. Yeah. And I really wish I could remember the context of why my dad was telling me that because it had nothing to do with was stealing but i think it had something to do with like you know being confident, confident. in what you're doing so he's you're, a businessman so right. probably you're stealing yeah. <laughs> you're gonna be in there shoplifting again Carrie. thanks for the advice dad <laughs> you need to look confident but they the won't too, you get away you. with something for so long you know i got away with stuff for years and then eventually it catches up to you and in my experience once it catches up to you it keeps on catching right up. well it's so funny because they always have the lady at the walmart and you always look at her like are you supposed to show her the receipt when oh, you're walking i always feel so guilty I, I do know. nothing wrong. Right. And they still want Well, some people they let by, some people they don't, which I think is funny. Right. You know, you could be an African-American man. You're walking out with a big TV set. Yeah. And they're going to stop you. Like, really? Do you right. think the guy carried it from the front? <laughs> and it's just walking out the door. I mean, it's oh. sad. They profile people. I, sh- I mean, that's wrong, but they do, I think. Well, of course. You know. It's like I swear every time I go to the airport, I'm the one that gets pulled aside and he has to get my hands swabbed and he has to go through these extra yeah, measures. Because you look kind of sketchy. Did I ever tell you uh, the story when I was in California? I was coming back from California, actually, and I got pulled over. As usual, they, they had me do like the palm swab and whatnot, and they had me go through the special line. And then they, they pulled me over to this, this side area, and they had my carry-on bag. Really? And uh, they got real serious. And they were talking about how I had to stay there and they were going to run some tests on my bag. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like clean and sober. And I'm like, right. <laughs> what? What is going on? You know, I'm, uh, this conspiracy theories are running through my head. Like, they're going to detain me. I'm going to be in oh, know, yeah. jail for no reason. Um, come to find out my suntan lotion had spilled in my bag. So there was some sort of like residue. Yeah. That... Well, it smell was like, like a red flag butter. for them. Well, that's what I'm saying. It smelled like coconuts and like, right. yeah, it's not <laughs> like usually shea like butter. butter. I'm like, but yeah, it was this whole big thing. And, you know, come to find out, it was just my, my suntan lotion. But they got, who's the guy that got away who had carried a gun all the way through security? Well, and- <laughs> what's funny about that story is that same trip, my ex at the time had a Zippo lighter oh, with wow. her. She didn't even realize it. It was like a collectible thing. She wasn't a smoker or anything, but... um. Yeah, on that same flight, she ended up with an active, like it had fluid in it, a Zippo lighter. And here I am getting pulled aside and my book bag's being run through a machine and tests are being run on it because of suntan lotion. That's insane. But That's sort of it. Well, sort of insane. You know what's insane? I was watching all the news feed about uh, Spicer, that's his name. Sean the, Spicer, so yeah. On, on the news, on the, um, you know, doing the press conference stuff for the white house but it's just interesting in how he's trying to compare well he first of all he's like bumbling through this whole thing about <laughs> medical marijuana and regular marijuana which i thought was interesting and then he like <laughs> so, and then he like throws in the opiate epidemic like it was <clears throat> part of all of this and i have a, i have a, there's this a law of being human that i always think people should stick to is when you don't know something don't say anything yep Th- that's just that basic law because now they're going to go after everything like he had an opinion. He didn't even know. He don't even remember that he even had this conversation, I'm sure. Because he looked, the way he was just talking about it, he didn't know what to say. And right. They were talking about legalization and stuff. And then he throws in the opiate epidemic, which is right. very like sad. Right, he correlated, he made the connection between <clears throat> legalization of marijuana and the opiate epidemic. Yeah. Which hey, is, right. what? <laughs> you know what started the opiate epidemic? Yeah. The overprescribing of narcotic pain medication. So yeah. the government. Yeah, pharmaceuticals. Guess what? You're to blame. <laughs> yeah, FDA, everyone involved in that who is still involved in that. 
and I still go back to it. It's still happening, folks, because now the VA, I mean, that's they're just noticing, wow, what are we going to do now with all these vets on, you know, that has a full-blown opiate addiction because we prescribed opiates, you know, for their pain, which made sense. I mean, some of them are, very, you know, there are a lot of these injuries are very painful, but mm-hmm. now we're just stuck again. We we are just, we are nev- we'll never get out of this. I don't know how we're going to get out of that part of it. And I've even had people, you know, people that I've known, you know, with full-blown um, a heroin addiction, they go to a doctor and they come back with a bottle full of pills. I mean, still today, they uh, don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's not going to go away. No. And I don't know what. Mm. You or know. you prescribe them Suboxone. Yeah. That can cause some problems too, you know? Yeah, because it's so funny because you knew the pharmaceutical company has to now, they're going to try to save the world with Suboxone or something else. Of course. Right. That's not, um, yeah, because that just follow the money. When you want to learn mm-hmm. about anything, always follow the money, and yeah. then you that determines where things are always going. I'm seeing more and more clients that are coming through, and I, I'm a big fan so far of Vivitrol, right? Because they're coming through on Vivitrol, and I'll ask them a little bit about that. You know, how's that going for you? And time and time again, they're saying it's great. I just I can't do Suboxone. I've been prescribed it many times. I always end up abusing right. it, or they get on it. And for whatever reason, they lose their prescription, whether it's something, you know, that they did, like they violated the terms of the, you know, the right. contract that they're on. Or um, I had somebody that was moving from mm-hmm. one state to another and their prescription got cut. They couldn't find a doctor in Rochester in time. So there was a gap in their prescription right. and they were going through withdrawal. So you go to what you know next. But so anyways, there's there's so many things. Well, they go to the Suboxone, Suboxone man. The Suboxone right. man's everywhere. Yeah. Um, he hangs out at meetings <laughs> the suboxone oh. man does and yeah. it is a big thing but um yeah that's not gonna what's interesting we talked about that early in the green room how cal- some um physicians in california are prescribing now trexone which is the oral version of vivitron mm-hmm. right to monitor to actually help people drink socially i thought he said that's interesting but we knew this was coming that and it works well, the people I know that's doing it, it's working for. I don't mm-hmm. know if their behaviors changed or not, but full-blown alcoholics are using naltrexone now. To right. So you're saying like this one person that you know in particular uh, was a full-blown alcoholic, alcoholic yeah. drinking alcoholically, um, and it is now can have like a beer at a bar with his buddies and and walk away. And walk away. And, yeah. It's very, very interesting. interesting. Um, or he wouldn't drink at all, like yeah. for weeks at a time, and then might have a glass of wine at dinner and stop. Right. And we, where he never could have before. Yeah, it's interesting. But I don't know if that's, it was never meant for that. But, you know, in California, they look at different, th- they mm-hmm. look at things differently yeah. than we do. It's a different kind of, other than they're drowning now with the floods. But, hey, you know, uh, I don't even know. Like the guy we're having, who's coming on today? So his name is Seth Leaf Prusansky. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, but if I didn't, uh, he'll sorry. be telling you when he comes on. <laughs> Seth Leaf. Sounds like a very, interesting uh, i know we use that word a lot on the show actually i noticed when i listen to our podcast we say interesting quite a bit but right. uh we do a lot of interesting we, people we do uh sounds like he's very into meditation and kind of like the spiritual side of things uh, right got clean on his own it sounds like which i love hearing i like hearing stories about that but he's very yeah. big on self-empowerment and how you alone can heal yourself how you can get clean and sober on your own which, you know, being a 
alcohol and substance abuse counselor. I guess I shouldn't say <laughs> that I that I um, condone no, I that. Do. But that's how I got clean. I think people and sober. should uh, people. It's like you know. Okay, let's go back to this because we had a discussion before. We are because that's what we're all about mm-hmm. here. Because we had we talked about having that word sober in our tag or actually our business name. Because mm-hmm. sober means so many things. It doesn't. You can be not in recovery and be sober. It, right. it has nothing to do with anything. We are not part of anything. Right. Yeah. Can I say that again? Because I had yeah. something come up this morning. Yeah. And someone said something to me about, um, oh, so you guys are like really affiliated, I hear, with, with AA. And I I was like dumbfounded. Like, what do you, yeah. like, do you listen to the show? Because we are not. We're not affiliated, affiliated with, with any, anybody. We're not. We are with ourselves. We but are with ourselves. It's sober. <laughs> it's because in the recovery community, especially if you are in twelve step, um, if, if you're in the rooms, twelve step programs, right? There's this divide for some reason. Like people that attend Narcotics Anonymous, they go, you know, I'm I'm clean. My clean day. It's clean, clean, clean. Right. People that are in AA, it's I'm sober. My sobriety date. Right. And it's like. There's this battle, which is correct. Clean, sober, clean, sober. Clean is associated with A or NA. Sober is associated with AA. Right. Who cares? Who cares? We're FA. Who cares? We're FA. FA. <laughs> right. That's we. we, we yeah, are. I can't say it, but yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. We're F. We're good. We maybe we should have a little meeting. We're <laughs> we're not affiliated, folks. We're not With affiliated. Anything. We, we don't have a lot of friends um, that are associated with the show that are in. Um, well, they call it mutual aid groups now. Mutual we have a lot aid. of friends that are in AA. We have friends that are in NA. We yeah. support whatever. If you go to 12-step meetings and it's keeping you clean and sober, more power to you. If you don't, more power to you too. Whatever works. Yeah, don't ever, whatever. I, this is just crazy. <laughs> like, why argue over that stuff? Nitpick over clean versus sober. Yeah, I'm hoping our audience, our audience is a lot of different people. You know, we... um. I think that's the best part of it. We people that listen. I have a woman listening now. She's a um, great nurse and um, Hornell named Sue, mm-hmm. who um, just a great nurse of addiction. But she treats everything as more of a holistic yeah. view of life, and that's what you're supposed to do, right? right? You're never supposed to just pick anything because really, drugs and alcohol is a touch a tiny symptom of this entire disease right. and problem. And we just, I don't know what we are anymore, but I think we're having a good time and it's rainy in Rochester right now. And I just got a message from my friend, Nicole, that's listening to the (laughs) show. Thank you very much, Nicole. Uh, She's the one that actually gave me, (laughs) that that I was talking to this morning that that made mention of that whole thing of why people think that we're probably affiliated with AA because the word sober is in our title. We're not, Um, Nicole. We're we're really. No, she knows that. Yeah. But yeah. Is Nicole hot? Oh. <laughs> gosh joel that's the first thing joel goes to we should get uh the people from uh Kavod back on here yeah sexual addictions joel it's the first thing joel goes to is not she hot real. no <laughs> not really he's not really like that though i am not you're a very like that. kind and genuine person i am i am nicole thinks you're very funny by the way she told me really mm-hmm. how funny am i nicole <laughs> <laughs> oh man we digress well i guess it's that point in the show right where we should probably switch over to some yeah. music and get ready for our guest to come on yeah that oh. sounds great still looking at carrie's pussy in a pocket <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll be back guys we'll be back all right we're back little food fighters yes and uh we are here and and i hope i'm going to pronounce this correctly and feel free to correct me if i don't but we are here with seth leaf prusansky did i say it right seth 
Oh my God! One of the best I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, she's really good at that. <laughs> so, Perfect pronunciation, my goodness. Well, thank yeah. you. So, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing amazing. Just unbelievable. Despite all the perceived chaos in the world, I'm just content. So, oh, and there's more, a reason for it. More than perceived, I think, Seth. <laughs> yeah, yes. I think it's. Yes. <laughs> so, where where are we talking to you from right now? Where whereabouts are you located? I am in the beautiful global warming state of Maine, which (laughs) happens to be a lot. It's amazing up here. I mean, it's just, I've lived here my whole life. I've traveled around the world, but I always come back here. And, but I got to say the past two years, I think have been the warmest on record and it's really showing, you know? Yeah, I've been, uh, yeah. But, you know, I go up there periodically because I'm a big fan of Kenny Bunkport and, but, um, you know what it is? Uh, you know it's interesting because uh, where is it? Freeport, where L.O. Bean's at? Yep. Yeah. Right. Because yep. I, I always go there. The only problem is when you go there, the town closes up at like 9 o'clock at night. So you can't even get a th- something to eat. I always thought that was kind of odd. But. Yeah, it is, especially when L.O. Bean open all night. So. Yeah, that, yeah. You have, you have to get the dirty L.O. Bean hot dog in the middle of the night. <laughs> I say that affectionately. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Well, we, we certainly won't spend our entire time talking to you about L.L. Bean. I mean, <laughs> um, but why don't you, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you've got, God, we, we only have like 25 minutes, 30 minutes to talk to you. You have such, such an incredible story. So at this point, we'll just turn it over to you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what got you to, to what you do right now. Okay. I'm going to try to condense this into a cohesive format. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to start off with this. When I was a child, I was somebody who was very perceptively aware of energy and of my own life and the way I lived in this world. And I could tell that the way things seemed to be were not really or not necessarily the only way they were. I knew there was a greater and a bigger way. I just wasn't necessarily able to perceive it. So as I grew up and went through schools, you know, I began to lose this connection that I had, this understanding of, of feeling these deeper meanings of life. And I went, then we moved when I was about 12 or 13, and I got bullied really, really bad in school, like severe bullying. And that kind of catapulted me into finding ways to deal with it because my parents weren't helping me, the school counselors weren't helping me, nobody was. And I turned to drugs. You know, I first started smoking pot, which I grew up in kind of a communal environment, so to me that wasn't a big deal. But, you know, in this search for, you know, why is this happening to me? Why are all this trauma? Like, what is this stuff? I needed stronger drugs, harder drugs to deal with these perceived traumas and realities that I was experiencing on such an ongoing basis. So while I never got into alcohol for some reason, I became very addicted to heroin um, and cocaine and, you know, all that stuff. But it was all the hard drugs, but it was mostly heroin. I had a severe, I had a really bad heroin addiction that went on for about three years. And I started that when I was 19 years old. And I went until I was 22 years old doing that three years. You know, countless overdoses, not countless, probably about nine or ten, like, really severe overdoses, waking up in vomit and urine, just to to the point where it's like, okay, I finally got the picture. If I do not stop doing this, I will die. And, you know, waking up and realizing this is not the kind of life that, you know, I want to live or that anybody who loves me would 
want me to choose for myself. So, you know, at that young age, I just, I manned up and I just kicked that habit. And I kicked it cold turkey. I didn't have, I had one friend who did it with me. He was going through it. We did it together. And we just kicked cold turkey and never went back to it again. And I mean, it was such brutal hell, as anybody knows who did that. Do you yeah, vividly mental. remember that experience? Do you remember like what it felt oh, like God. when you were kicking? And oh my God, I re- I've written chapters about it. So mm-hmm. Literally have. So yeah, it's it's the most. It's one of the most. I mean, aside from like having your skin peeled off your body or yeah, right, something like that. It's it's like it's mental, emotional, oh, physical, yeah. and spiritual torture. I mean, it's like torture on every level of your being, and there's no way out of it except for to go yep and, and I, you just you know oh i gotta say too it's, go it's hysterical because people are always saying oh it's like comparable to the flu people that say that have no idea what right. heroin withdrawal <laughs> is like because it is not comparable <clears throat> to the flu it's like you said it impacts you on so many different levels than just being you know sick physically and i mean that's not i mean somebody who might be mildly addicted to something and going through a weak withdrawal you know that i don't know i never for me i was in it big i was right of the mouth of it you know so when i kicked it was like death literally yes. on death like you can't walk you can't talk you can't eat you can't sleep yep. you can't drink water you're so dehydrated you want to cry with everything you've got because yeah. it hurts so bad but you can't because you're so dehydrated yep. it's just it's hell it's, it's very much like a hell on earth yes. scenario um but anyway i kicked it you know, without any help, just my friend and I supporting each other, got through it, never went back to it again. However, what I didn't heal at that point was kind of what caused the addiction in the first place, these mental pathologies. And, you know, I didn't understand what they were at that time, but I could feel that I was still stuck in this idea of, you know, there's something there, there's something bothering me. What is it? You know, and I began... To replace my addiction to drugs with food, mm-hmm. and you know, people look at me. I'm I'm really fit, and I'm you know I'm thin, and people are like, oh, you don't have any food problems. You know, you're in perfect shape, and blah blah blah. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, I have a high metabolism, but I'm eating for emotional reasons to fill this gap that drugs used to fill. Mm-hmm. And So eventually what happened was by eating lots of sugars and things that were not good for me, it messed up my body really bad until I came down with what's called systemic candidiasis or candida, they call it. And this this stuff completely just ravaged my body. I mean, ravaged it. It was so bad, it looked like I had third degree burns, you know, coming out over three quarters of my body. And, you know, while all this stuff is going on, I'm, I consider myself an overzealous entrepreneur. <laughs> and I've been forming businesses and companies since I was really young. And I just I have a lot of vision when it comes to creating um, sustainable and healthy and conscious business structures in the world. And I learned at a young age that I was very good at it. So while I'm going through, you know, while I'm building these companies and doing all this stuff, I'm really, really sick. And I'm you know, like hanging on for dear life at a few points. And so I'm seeing doctors all over the world, MDs, NDs, you know, nobody has any answers for me. I'm going to dermatologists, 
they can't figure out what's going on. It's something coming from the inside. Any bit of food I was eating was causing me to get sick. I had to begin juice fasting. I didn't eat solid food, and I only could do juice fasting for almost a year straight. I mean, I became literally like a stick figure. I lost all my weight. The condition wasn't going away. It was really, really vicious. And it was causing me to not be able to sleep at night. And literally staying up all night and just kind of hating my life, you know, really just like feeling like the biggest victim in the world. Like, why would this happen? Why can't I overcome it? What's the root of, of all this? What's causing it? And, you know, out of desperation, I went and was prescribed sleeping medication just mm-hmm. so I could sleep. And, yeah, I knew with my addictive past, you know, it, I was walking down a slippery slope, but I just needed relief, yeah. you know? And so I got on sleeping pills. It was like hallelujah for a little while because they worked so great and I was able to sleep and get some relief, which actually brought a little bit of relief to my symptoms. And however, like all those things go, you begin to build up a tolerance. Mm -hmm. And and that tolerance isn't good enough by what you're being prescribed. And then you start to look for other avenues to get it. And then doctor shopping and trying to get more drugs and then you're a raging drug addict all over again on prescription pharmaceuticals which I have you know being a natural health strategist and advocate and um, connoisseur you know pharmaceuticals don't really fit into my belief system that I I try to minimize my belief system that's another story try not to believe anything because there's way more going on than I could ever believe but that's another story so as a result of going through all that, I was my bills were insane. I mean, I was just out of control with bills, and I couldn't afford all this, so I began selling a lot of marijuana, yeah. and then selling a lot more marijuana, and just right. you know, because I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a literally, like I said, I'm an overzealous entrepreneur. Yeah. So. You know, we the entrepreneurial mindset is having multiple things going on at the same time because it's a passion. It's something that I love to do. And um, so in, in addition to these legitimate businesses that I had, I was selling pot on the side to pay for all my bills. But then the money was so good that, you know, I was like, okay, great. I can start saving some money. And uh, I was planning on buying a farm out in the middle of the woods and getting away from it all. And that's what I was trying to do. That, I was a big giant disaster. I was addicted to sleeping pills. I got arrested. Mm-hmm. I got indicted, sentenced, spent, uh, got a five-year sentence in federal prison. Wow. And at my sentencing hearing, I was basically, you know, I had my doctors there. I had all these people trying to say, look, if you put him in prison without care, he could become very ill. It could be fatal. And regardless of that, it's it's going to be a nightmare. He's really, truly going to suffer. Yeah. And they said they were going to put me in a medical prison, but they didn't. They put me in a regular prison. Wow. And at, at that point, you know, I got there, the PA says to me, he's like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. The prison PA, the physician's assistant. Yeah. And I was like, I know, like, what am I going to do? Like, it, he said, well, we can't take care of these, these, your needs here. And I was like, well, can you get me to where I need to be? And He's like, well, here's what's going to happen. When you become so ill that you can no longer stand on your two feet, we're going to strap you to a stretcher, and we're going to ship you to a medical prison. Oh, and by the way, make sure to wear long sleeve shirts and shorts at all times, because if other inmates see those scabs on your body, 
they're gonna they're gonna freak out and think it's contagious, and they are going to have you put in segregation. You know, the shoe isolated containment. This is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> it is, but, yeah, not, so, but so believable. Yeah, <laughs> so believable. But you know, little did I know at the time that this was the greatest opportunity of my life. And believe me, at the time, I did not see it as, as that at all because what it was was doing something very specific to me and empowering me to realize that, guess what? Here it is. Nobody is coming to my rescue. No one. I'm going to overcome all of these issues that I've been dealing with since my late teens, really, my early teens, then it's going to be me. And so what do I do? What do I do? How do I overcome this? So the first thing was like, well, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate every day for hours a day. And I couldn't do it because how do you find self peace you know how do you find inner peace in such a brutal environment you know but I said you know what I'm just going to keep doing it anyway the other thing was all right I'm going to write my entire life story everything that I remember from birth till now so that I can look for patterns it's like okay yeah I'm here because I was selling pot but there's got to be a deeper reason there's psychological and psycho-emotional triggers that have caused me to make decisions that are really just so temerarious or reckless or and I want to know what those are I want to understand them better for myself so I did that and right away this pattern became evident and so it became like I was observing myself from a place outside of myself and within about a year to a year of writing this book and you know looking at my life and really considering it and sitting in meditation and really working my mind to come to terms with the past and all these things that led me to be where I am I had this profound epiphany and out of nowhere it was like oh my gosh I have been I've literally created a neural network in my brain a habit of believing that I'm this victim it all started Mm -hmm. being bullied you know, being bullied. I'm, I literally created this a physical structure in my brain that is so used to identifying with the trauma of the past that I'm unconsciously going about and recreating experiences, mostly not even realizing that I'm doing it, that are going to feed this biochemical electrical rush that this brain mass in my head formed from trauma needs in order to sustain itself so really all that i did essentially was create a bad habit without knowing i'd created a bad habit of feeling like the world was out to get me and when i realized that that's all it was that's literally all it was and when i realized that then i was like oh my god i'm just gonna form a new habit a new neural network by loving life and identifying with what i have available to me right here and right now. I don't have to think about the past. I don't have to think about the future. All I have to do is be grateful for the fact that my heart is beating, that my lungs are breathing, that thoughts are arising in my mind and recognizing that there's this innate intelligence in my body that is causing all these miraculous autonomic functions to happen. And if this life force that's in me is able to allow these things in my body to happen, then certainly I, with my little bit of intelligence from my egotistical self, you could call it, mm-hmm. if I align what little bit of intelligence I have with that intelligence, 
then surely I can trust that it will give me greater guidance and clarity on how to conduct myself as a human being in this world. And it did. And suddenly everything changed. Sure. I, my, I got healthy in prison and I was eating foods that I could never eat before. Right. You know, <laughs> I started like getting big and putting on all this muscle and just looking like this, you know, super vibrant, shiny person. And, you know, it was just amazing. And so I went through that whole experience. I got out um, and I formed a fantastic company, a new company after I got out. We, we make the highest quality, most ethically produced bottled water in the world. So I'm like literally selling the purest substance that most people will ever come into contact with. And it's really, really taking off. And a lot of that is because I was able to obtain the inner clarity I needed represent something of such integrity. So yeah. that's it. That's my condensed story. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I mean, obviously, <clears throat> we, <clears throat> Gary and I, both drink water. You go to the plate. You go to the grocery store. They have water that's ten dollars a bottle, all the way down to a dollar a dollar a bottle. And then when you look in the back of it, I mean, they, they have all these great things where you actually think you're getting it out of a a stream or a whatever a spring and then yeah. you look in the back and it says you know from the you know from the water authority of cleveland <laughs> or something like that i mean the bottled water industry has been growing in leaps and bounds since the early 80s i mean many years that it experiences double digit growth so a lot of that is because it's controlled by some of the biggest multinational corporations in the world and most of them are literally taking tap water right from the tap right sure selling it at a premium price and this is what we're seeing you know and it's insane all the natural springs that were once available have been bulldozed or powered over and you know you probably see when you drive around places you see towns that are called something springs and right. roads <laughs> that are named something springs and that's because they were all named after springs so. right so yeah. are you, okay, so yeah. we just had a change in our sound for a right. second. Like, did we lose you? Oh no! So no, I just here. I just have to say your your message is so aligned with my beliefs and and I guess like you know I'll She'll speak for Joel with yes. with his beliefs too. I just I love your message and I want so many people to be able to hear that. So I'm so glad that we had you on the show today because God, I just people need to hear what you just said. Mm, thank you. And it goes way, 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 way deeper. Oh, that, absolutely. You know? sure. And you just said it so eloquently. And, you you know, sometimes it's it's hard to put to words um, your beliefs or, or what you feel internally. And, you know, for me anyways, you just did a really great job of explaining um, my my belief system. Now, how do people reach out to you? Because I think that's going to be important for our listening audience. Well, right now, probably, I mean, I have so many business. Um, ventures and things, but probably just on Facebook for now. I have, I still have plenty of, um, I can have a lot of extra friends on Facebook. So, okay. Um, just Facebook, Seth Leaf Prusansky, obviously getting the spelling of my name correct is a yes. good thing. Pronunciation is okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, I actually yeah, really can... Googled Seth Leaf P because I couldn't spell it, and it just, your name comes <laughs> up. So, it actually, whatever search engine is going on, it actually is working for you. Yeah, we saw all sorts of things. That you know, popped up. Yeah, you'll see it. Yeah, I do a lot. I put a lot of content out there and a lot of stuff, and I write and I speak and just do all that. And but more importantly, I you know, as much as I get engaged in the world and do things, 
I spend a lot of time in self-care because it's such an important component, you know, and especially for people who've been through recovery and addiction, you know, that's really what it all comes yeah. down to. And so that's where I really, really try to encourage people to take ownership of that part of themselves. Right. So. Well, and I think people are so, they, they just want a solution. They want someone to fix them. They turn to counselors, they turn to treatment centers, they turn to medications because they want someone to fix them. And my yes. belief is no one is going to fix you. In my experience, I had to fix myself. I had supports, absolutely. You know, I tapped into other things, but it boils down to you. You yourself alone are the only person that can heal yourself. Nobody's going to do for you what you need to do for yourself. Right. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know what? I feel like for me, a lot of the reason why, you know, like I've, I've talked to therapists and people like that since I went through like the hardcore things. I went and saw people after just to talk to them. And it's like, okay, you guys have, not to discredit anybody, because Mm -hmm. these people have PhDs, they have tremendous um, schooling and information, but how much direct experience do they have? Because I wanted somebody who knows what I've been through, who's experienced it, and be able to come out on the other side. And I realized that for all the book smarts that a lot of people have, there isn't a tremendous amount of direct experience. And so I was like, you know what? I have to do this. I'm going to do it. It's going to be me. And I just took it upon myself. And what was the catalyst that made me want to do that? I love my life. I love being alive. And I realized that if, you know, it was just so simple because if I feel like a victim all the time and, oh, poor me, I just began to think, well, what's the opposite of feeling like a victim? And it's like, well, being empowered. Right. And then it, it's like, okay, well, if, if I'm a victim and I feel like crap, then why wouldn't I'd much rather be empowered? So what's preventing me from being empowered? And then it's like, oh, reversing the world, reversing the way you perceive the world. And so all these kind of negative virtues that were instilled in me without me even realizing it became part of my job. I just began to really reform them and reconstruct them and perceive things in a way that was really beneficial to me, to my human organism, to my goals, to my dreams, to my aspirations. And you know what? The more you do that, the more you develop, you want other people to feel and be the same way because you realize this is the kind of stuff that changes the world, you know? Yeah. No, it does. Well, I would love to at some point down the road have you back on again because I just loved listening to you. And I think you have an incredible message that I want more and more people to hear. So um, I'll be in touch with you because, again, I'd love to have you back on. And thank you very much. Yeah, I'd love to interact more with you guys, too. (laughs) Well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day and have a good rest of your weekend. Okay. Okay. Thank you, guys. Take care. Well, that was great. I really, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed I listening did. to him. Yeah, because he was, he does, and it's very, it's everything that we're all about. And because yeah. I, I do the same thing with people when they come several times to treatment, and they always want everyone to fix them. Yeah, and you, you, they already walk in with the person. I said, that's, that's, you, you know, you're going to walk out with that same person. So it doesn't matter. You're, yeah, you're going to get yourself in the way. Yeah, of everything, and it's great. No. There's just, there's some you know there's some guests that we have on just that just really energize me and and he was one of those guests yeah so i think it's fantastic i think we should go in the, bo- the water i have an idea for like like hose water remember like hose water you used to drink out of a I, hose i do i can remember what it tasted like right like i think there's a, like my youth 
there's a there's a there's a market for that. I think we should <laughs> start. We went sober life bottled hose water. You're gonna get hose. I'm gonna check out his water though. We should. Yeah, I cannot. You know, the only I, there's only that one water that I really enjoy that tastes like silk. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Has a certain <laughs> certain consistency. It's you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's silky. Well, you know what? I can't even say it on air because I want to give them a plug, but. You know, it has a certain. It goes down your throat a lot easier. I don't. It's like that silky, that silky water. So, yeah. On that um, note. Yeah, on that note. Thank you for listening. Yeah, this has uh, been I a know, great. You know. Yeah, we had a few people message me live that were listening and that were enjoying the show. So, so thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. And um, yeah, let's. Uh, we have a big week. Yep. I don't know if we have a big week. You have a big week tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah, I've got the cleanup, and uh, next week I'll talk some more about what my plans are for the next few months. Because you and talk about uh, sober living and you know living your life. I got a lot of exciting things coming up. Yeah, so they always stay tuned, and we're um, we're doing everything. We're starting high school. Yeah, <laughs> take care. <laughs> Love you, Carrie. Love you too, Joel. Bye. <laughs>